0: Welcome to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets have what has turned out to be a rare night off. No game tonight, but they will be right back in action tomorrow against the Philadelphia Flyers at Nationwide Arena. That will cap off a home-and-home series with the Flyers. The Blue Jackets were in Philadelphia last night, and they beat Philadelphia by the score of 4-2. to uh, Jody, it has been, uh, it's been a big week. You had a back-to-back against the Boston Bruins that the Blue Jackets wrapped up on Monday night. A very... Um, Highly emotional game, let's put it that way, on Monday. uh, Actually, it was highly emotional on Saturday in Boston, too. So you had some real high-energy games against the Boston Bruins, a team that's on its way to the playoffs, a team that's trying to better its playoff position. And then you go into Philadelphia last night, a team that has had a terrible season, a team that uh, is trying to figure out what they are, what they're going to be. And the Blue Jackets, uh, there were times it looked like they were they were a tired group after playing those two games against Boston and the one the night before with travel, but they just ground through it, and it was the old uh, John Tortorella, find a way, and that's exactly what they did last night.
1: Yeah, that was, uh, you know, you could sense that there was a different feel going into that game last night in Philadelphia, and it's been a unique schedule quirk, I'll call it, where, you have these home, home and home series. I can't say without laughing because it's been busy. You know, so, you know, you think it's just one game, one town, but you're home, you're gone, you're home, you're gone. And now we were gone and we're home again. And now it's the Flyers. And it's a different, you know, w- when you're playing against the Islanders who have had a tough year and, and they've always played that, that very stingy, stout, defensive first game. You know that that could go either way, and the Blue Jackets played well enough to win, but didn't get the results. Then you look at Boston; it just brings out the best of you, right? And it's the former captain Nick Felino, and it's uh, everything that comes with it, and the big hit at home, and you get the juices going. And boy, what a what a wild sequence there as as you go home and home with Boston again, play well enough to get the two points, but you know, not playing the music after the after the win, not being able to celebrate and look at each other and say good job, and then. Yeah, you go to Philly, it just felt different. It felt like there was more ice available. I felt like these guys were kind of let out of a bag. You know what I mean? They were, go play, get some speed, try to find each other. And and they really did that. I thought that, um, you know, it was so good to see them get rewarded with two points. That's what last night was about. And now we're in the middle here, sandwiched with a a day off between Philly, home, and Philly. Uh, It's nice. You know, these guys have a, a day off after a win. They're probably waking up today feeling pretty good about themselves and looking forward to tomorrow.
0: You know, uh, we're going to talk with Steve Coates, who is the radio color analyst for the Philadelphia Flyers, coming up in just a little bit. And uh, by the way, I'm just going to preview that by saying, if you're not entertained by that conversation, then you cannot be entertained in life. You just can't. Um, But So we'll talk about the Flyers and and the mess that they are in right now and all of that stuff. But i got to ask you this. The Blue Jackets, uh, in the early part of that game last night, you know, they're getting outshot. And then Brendan Gonsk gets a goal and all of a sudden they're up one to nothing. And then Zach Wierenski comes down the left side. He feeds Carson Meyer for his first NHL goal. And it's two to nothing. I I just wonder if uh, at one point at that point they thought, well, no matter what happens here, it's going to be easy tonight. These guys are going to be a pushover, which they turned out not to be because they came back and tied the game. And it was like that until the latter half of the third period before Justin Danforth put the blue jackets back on top. But you know, is that, do you think that plays in at any point in time coming off Boston where you had a fight for everything and then, you know, you're getting outshot and then you score two, quote unquote, easy goals? Can you get that mindset as a player? where like, oh, we've got this thing in the bag.
1: Yeah, I, I, I do. That plays into it big time. Like, you know, it, it's just human nature to have some kind of emotional letdown. And when you score early, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, oh, they're going to think this is a cakewalk. And, and Philly's playing better than what they've played recently. Um, you know, they've moved Drew along. More guys are getting chances. They're, they're a dangerous team to play against. But I felt there was a confidence with the Blue Jackets. I felt there was a, a confidence with Elvis. I, I, I don't know. I just – some games you watch and you know that, you know, there's going to be some kind of dip throughout the game. But I – just watching that game last night, I know the Philadelphia had opportunities to get it done. But I felt like the Blue Jackets were going to find a way no matter what. I would have been surprised if they would have lost. And, and you know, they could have lost because it stayed so close for so long. They didn't create enough opportunities after they got those first two goals. Um, but, you know, they – they um, no question there's a letdown. That's just – I mean, think about it. You How many teams do you see right now? And you will see it down the stretch. A great team is going to lose to a team that's at the bottom of the league this year uh, uh, towards the end of the season. And that's because they're overlooking them because they want to measure – against the best teams. They want to see the... Uh, the Colorados want to see the Floridas. Uh, you know, the Pittsburgh, Want to, they want to see uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. These teams are, will get up for those games, and then that's where you really got to grind through to make sure you're playing against those those Montreals and, and those Buffalos who are, are stealing points down the, down the stretch here. So that's how it goes, Bob. We know that. And, and, and for the Blue Jackets, I mean, Torts would say, um, we don't have... We, we don't have the the uh we're nowhere nowhere near that that top part of the league where we can feel that about ourselves to look down on teams so um that's twice we have some him mentioned him in this interview that's kind of funny
0: <laughs> <laughs> philadelphia people should be talking about him he seems to be what what yeah. they might need what they might need to get that thing i think so get get that back in order um Let's talk about let's talk about Elvis here specifically because Mike Yo, who's the interim head coach for the Flyers, after the game last night, uh, he was happy with the way that his team played and he was all about praising them and he felt bad that they didn't get to celebrate uh, the two points. But he said the difference in this game was their goaltender throughout the entire night. And you know, Elvis, the final total and you know you can dispute shots. You know, sometimes you go into other buildings and. Shot totals are like through the roof, and you go, "Come on, really? Was it that many?" But it, it, here's the way it reads, and this is official: He stopped forty-seven to forty-nine last night. Uh, no matter what, he had to be their best player when Philadelphia was pushing in that game, and he was their best player. And uh, what? How do you see his growth here, especially just over the last couple of weeks since he came back from that last injury he had?
1: Yeah, you know i I like the way he's battled I really do I, I you know this is a tall test for Elvis Mersleekens who comes over from Switzerland where he played and you know their schedule is much different there's not much of a grind over there whatsoever you know they play a couple games a week uh they might play back to backs I'm not sure but it's not four and seven or six and ten or you know the grueling schedule that we're seeing here um I like how he hasn't come up for a breath and he seems to be locked in. I think that's important. You know, I think sometimes, um, you know, when you do take a breath and when you think you have things figured out, uh, that's when this league catches you. And I think right now this kind of grind for Elvis is so good for him because he's playing well. Uh, he understands that it's, uh, and and when you play that rhythm, Bob, it can't be about you. You know, you got to kind of survive or, live to fight another day or keep the team in it like he did last night he kept them in it and there was probably times where he was looking up at that shot clock and watching the wave of attack from the Philadelphia Flyers and thinking when are you guys going to give me some support I mean that's just you know that's just part of it and lo and behold he makes another couple big saves and the Blue Jackets go down and score the the, uh the eventual game-winning goal and you know that's the moments that you have to have for the goaltender, and he's been frustrated with the way that you know he's given up five in Winnipeg, and he's given up um, you know great tip in front against uh, was that the New York Islanders or the Boston Bruins at home uh, on that um, on that deflection that was off the ice in the in the first period. You know, there's t- points in the game where Elvis is kind of you got you feel like he's kind of beside himself, and what does he got to do to? to steal a win. But I think last night's a great example of, you know what? He's in it. He's getting tested and he seems, and when you're getting tested, you have to figure out what works for you. And I think that's the biggest uh, takeaway from this for Elvis is that he's learning a lot about himself right now. And I think that's exactly what the blue jackets organization uh, wants him to do.
0: And another thing that's really noticeable is he has calmed himself down in between the pipes. Uh, He's not, Running, out. he still goes behind the net to make plays and stop pucks, but he's not—he's um, not overly aggressive. As he has been in the past, and uh, yesterday when I talked to Brad Larson before the game, that was one of the things that I asked him about. And then I asked him about the the schedule that Elvis has been playing. So I'd just like to play his comments and have you react to that. But again, the first thing you know, he had made he had said in an answer to a previous question that uh, Elvis seemed bored at times in the previous game, and I and I laughed and I said, "Boy, Elvis being bored—that that's hard to even imagine, just the way that he plays, because he never gets bored. He's always he's always active." And this is what Brad Larson had to say about that.
2: The one thing is that we all know with Elvis, he wears his emotion on his sleeve, right? So, uh, and that can be a, a good thing. Emotion can be a real good thing when channeled the right way, and it can be very dangerous if not. And I, I think we've had some incidents this year where uh, he's channeled it in the wrong direction for me. Uh, and and so, you know, it, but this is part of his growth too. And as a starter, and, uh if you're going to play with heavy emotion every night, it gets exhausting as a starter. So you you, you got to find the balance of getting up for the game, um, being focused and plugged in, but not wasting energy is, is how I would, I would describe it. So because, you know, he's going to go again tonight. He's going to play. It's a back-to-back. So if you're wasting uh, a lot of energy in areas you shouldn't be, then it, it could really fatigue you. And so, this, again, he's learning like everybody else with our young team in, in different situations, and I think he's done a good job of, of channeling that energy. And I know there's times where I can tell he wants to, to do something, and he's, he's, he's subdued himself. So I've, I've, it's been uh, – it, there's some growth there, which is great.
0: You have J.F. Barube backing him up. You know he can play because you saw him play some big games and get big wins for you earlier in the year. But as you were just talking about Elvis going again tonight, you've been riding him very hard here almost every day. Is that part of the the conditioning, the learning of what it's going to take to play that position as a starter? Not this year, but in the future. Yeah,
2: I want to play him every game. I, I want him to feel... Uh, he's going to have to learn how to play when he's tired. He's going to have to learn how to focus. If if we're in that grind and in that playoff hunt uh, or just in or just out, he would be playing. So we, we've had a good talk about it. it. You can talk about it all you want, but until you feel it and go through it and, and understand what that looks like, that'll help him prepare this summer and understand, okay, if, if there's certain things he needs to add to his, his training regimen, of going, look, this is a grind. I felt I, I hope he's absolutely exhausted by the end of the year. He should be, but then understanding that playoffs would just be starting, right? So if he's at that point, that means we've got to make some adjustments as far as, okay, but then the real stuff would just be starting. You know what I mean? So um, it's, again, it's all part of this learning process. I, I want him to feel that and, and go through it with all our guys. That's why I want them con- continuing to compete hard uh, and, and putting it on the line every night, which I, I believe we have in most of these games. So. Um, it, this is. These are important games for us, for for our growth as young players. The, the, the guys that are going to be here uh, for next year and beyond.
0: So that's Brad Larson talking uh, primarily about Elvis Merzlikins in his game, and you could tell there's been there's a lot of thought process that they put into that young man and how they're going to condition him for next year and beyond.
1: They're trying to break him of his habits, Bob. Wasting t- you want to waste your energy with your emotion well, you're going to be even more exhausted and pay, play poorly. So figure it out. And then, I mean, that's a smart move by Brad Larson, you know, that, that's, that shows you that, Hey, the time that you're going to waste your energy emotionally is going to affect you. And that doesn't work over here. So um, interesting, very interesting questions there. I like loved his answers. And you can tell where he's at. He wants to uh, get those behind him and pl- just play it out of them. He's just going to play it right out of them and uh and hope he comes back next year with that great lesson.
0: I think the most pertinent thing that he said there, too, and it's really a reality check because you don't think about it when you're not going to the playoffs, but he's right. You can be tired and you can be exhausted, and if you're in the playoffs, it starts right now, and you still have to win 16 games to win a cup.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's another level. That's where you see zombies walking around in the locker room because they're just on, you know, play mode, do whatever you can do mode and not let that opportunity that you've worked so hard all year to get to slip. So that's the beautiful thing about the Stanley cup. It's um, the, the grind of all grinds.
0: One last thing about last night's game, Cole Sillinger coming down the ice with Sean Corrale. Sillinger's got a wide open empty net in front of him. He passes it to the veteran as a guy that played the game for as long as you did. A guy that respects the unwritten codes of the game and all those things what do you think when you see that play?
1: I don't think you can teach it. I mean, it's hard to explain probably to some kids that, uh, you know, that, that respect factor of hockey, of the game itself, you know, that, that's really what it's about. It's about being a teammate of all teammates. And when you see a kid do that, which if he would have put it in the net, no one would have thought twice about it. But what it says is that he's totally aware of, uh, of everyone around him as a teammate, and at 18 years old, Uh, that is remarkable. That is something that some adults will never learn that lesson of, of, you know, being the teammate of all teammates and sharing that moment or that having the opportunity to share that moment. Uh, It's a small thing, but in the locker room and in the hockey world, it's a major thing because I remember Don Cherry, the great Don Cherry, used to talk about that all the time. Those little intangible things, he would point them out on TV. And you know, people would think it's silly or whatever, but when you look back, when you take a step back and you're looking at that dynamic of the locker room and, and the breed of hockey player that you want to be around, that's the type right there who can make that play. I'm starting to sound like Don Cherry, but that's the play right there. <laughs> you're not dressing you know. like him, though. <laughs> that, that's what you want from your, from your, uh, from your players. And, and boy, can't speak about how, how, how impressed I was with that little play last night.
0: So the final score last night was 4-2. to The Blue Jackets beat the Flyers in the opening game of the home-and-home home series. They'll conclude it tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Steve Coates. He is the radio color analyst for the Flyers on their radio network. Uh, we'll talk to him about the Flyers. We'll talk to him about a lot of stuff. We had a chance to catch up with him before the game last night. And as I said earlier, you better buckle up because this is going to be Wide open. The Inside Edge continues right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets finish a home-and-home series with the Philadelphia Flyers tomorrow night at Nationwide Arena. Military appreciation night, as a matter of fact. Blue Jackets won the first half of the home-and-home last night in Philly by the score of 4-2. to And prior to the game last night, we had a chance to catch up with Steve Coates. Now, he is the radio color analyst on the Flyers radio network. Uh, this is a guy... That back in the 70s, went through the grind and he played a lot of minor league hockey. He played in the American Hockey League, the International Hockey League. And he uh, he found his way to the NHL for a couple of games uh, with the Detroit Red Wings, but he found his home in 1980 in the radio booth with the Philadelphia Flyers, and he's done radio or TV ever since. Jody, you played there for three years uh, alongside Steve Coates. Uh, and everybody will hear this in just a second, but he is one of the great characters of the game.
1: He is. He simply is a character. He always has a smile or a giggle or a crack or a joke, loves to tell a story, and and boy, can he tell a great story. So uh, a great personality in the Philadelphia Flyers. He's an honest interview, and he's a guy that has – I mean, he is a flyer when it comes to – the brand of what they want to be uh what he expects and 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 there is a there is a brand of of uh, chatter in in philadelphia that sometimes you get a response and you kind of you know you're like wow that was a little bit uh too raw but that's how that's how they are and that's how he is he's great so what a what a wonderful personality to catch up with glad we got him on our show and um you know, it, it's fun because he's in, he can't wait to get to Columbus. Uh, uh, he's probably here now as his show is going on. Uh, they love coming to Columbus, so he's already probably at his perch somewhere, and maybe he's listening to this interview, hopefully.
0: I doubt that part, but anyway. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but we got together, and, and we're going to talk about a lot of things here. We're going to get into the team toughness aspect of the NHL a little bit later on. But first, we just wanted to start – with the Flyers and the season that they're having, and the dismal season that they're having, having lost their coach Elaine uh, Vino, they fired him early in the season. They're, they're working under an interim coach and in Mike Yo right now. Uh, they had uh, Claude Giroux is gone, of course. Jake Voracek left in the summer to come back here to Columbus. A lot of changes in Philadelphia. So the first thing we wanted to ask him was just simply, what the heck's going on with the Flyers?
3: I can tell you that this season is uh, been a miserable, miserable year in any way you want to talk about it. The Probably the only bright spot the whole year has been the goaltending because the goaltending has been consistent. Outside of that, defensively been very, very poor. But, you know, injuries have become such a big part of this season. When you lose four centers, not one, not two, not three, but all four of your starting centers and all veterans, that, that that's impossible. They just can't play this game at this level. The other thing is the, play, the, play, the players that have come up from the minors haven't filled the void. They haven't done what we expect them to do. And as a result, this has been the worst season I can remember in the 40 years I've been here as a broadcaster where it just, nothing has gone right. The lack of entertainment that this hockey club has produced is, has, has uh, been evident and it's shown in our fans. So everything that could go wrong has gone wrong here with the Philadelphia Flyers this year. So there's only one place to go from here and that's up because this is the bottom. We're at the bottom right now. And, uh, we're encouraged right now by the younger players that we've brought up of late. They're playing a lot better, a lot more fun to watch, and I think that's what we have to look forward to next year.
0: And it really started early when Elaine Vigneault was let go and Mike Yo stepped in as the interim head coach. What's that situation? Uh, something to evaluate as soon as this year's over, I guess?
3: Well, you know, I think Mike Yo's, I'd really like to see Mike Yo get a chance because Mike is a, a guy that. that you know, he's got obviously the experience with being head coach in St. Louis and Minnesota, won a Stanley Cup with the Pittsburgh Penguins, but this is a tough town, and when things are going bad like it is going bad right now, it's going to be a tough for him to be re up. Now, do I think he'll be, or I think he's a great assistant coach too, and I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I'd love to see him as a head coach, but there's so many things and so many moving parts here right now that it's going to be hard.
0: Jody, when you hear... Philadelphia Flyers non-entertaining hockey. That must uh, that must just shock the heck out of you since you
1: played here. Well, yeah, it's hard for me to understand that because I mean I think the Flyers is something that you know there's something when you say you're with the Philadelphia Flyers in whatever capacity. There's a sense of pride and you know exactly what you're you're getting from the team, and it sounds like it's the opposite of that right now. I mean I remember putting on the black and orange jersey, and I mean you just knew your responsibility. From the organization, from the fans, and from your teammates, it was, it was, uh, and it was to a man. So, you know, that's that's disappointing to hear. Now, I, I you talked about some youth that have that have played well of late. Uh, this Sealer kid was in. He seemed like he was doing pretty good. He got injured. Uh, Cates is in. I guess he's played a couple games. He's all right. And the other kid would be York. Are the, can you speak of those three
3: guys? Sure. Uh, Cam York is a guy that was uh, uh, the best defenseman in the uh, Big Ten Conference, University of Michigan. Um, a, a year ago, and uh, he is not. He's a very diminutive, very very uh, like Corey Krupp uh, um, or Roy, Corey Krug rather in, in uh, St. Sorry. Louis. Very very tight, but he's not physical like Krug. But he's one of those guys, a great puck handler, great first pass coming out. And you don't notice him. He just kind of does his job. And he's been come the quarterback on the power play. Um, that's something we missed. when We got let go spirit the guy that could really pass the puck and move the puck around, but. And then you talk about uh, um, Noah Cates, who was from the University of Minnesota D- D- Duluth. and we He was a number five pick, and we thought that it, it was going to be questionable whether he was going to sign because, you know, they have that rule where you can move on if you don't sign originally with the team that drafts you. But Noah came right away, and he hasn't looked out of place at all. I mean, he looks like he's a player. He's a big kid at 6'1", about 200 pounds, but he's been really, really good. And then Atard, the kid that we got from the University of Western Michigan, six foot three right-handed defenseman. That when you get a six foot three right-handed defenseman, we'll teach you how to play. Don't worry. Just go out and stand there, and we'll find you how to wear, get you to, to move around. But he's been very, very good. So these kids, as compared to the other kids that we brought up, uh, are producing in a very short period of da- time. Another kid that we had is the number one draft pick named Mor- uh, Morgan Frost. This kid came in with all the accolades. Big-time scorer. Sue Ste. Marie Greyhounds of the Ontario Hockey League. This, he's going to be that. he's going. To, he's been invisible. The whole year, he's been invisible. And all of a sudden, in the last five games, it's like somebody turned the switch on. The kid's playing. He's like looks like a ball player. He looks like a centerman. He's carrying the play. He's he's controlling the play. He's hitting the blue line, controlling the puck. All the things the center has to be doing. Working down below the goal line, because that's what he's got to do as the third guy. And I went... What happened to this guy? And, and if, this is, if this holds, this is going to be huge for this hockey team down the road because Nolan Patrick was a poor mistake, number two draft pick. Now he's gone. He's in Vegas. And that center position, it was filled by Hayes because that's what they had to do. They had to go out and get Hayes. But, boy, if they could fill in, that means Logan can move back to the left wing and, and we're stronger on the left wing and be stronger in the center next year.
1: You know, every organization goes through transition. I look at the Sharks. They got rid of Joe Thornton. You guys are going through it. You got rid of Jake Voracek, and now it's Claude Giroux time to move along. You think that those pieces moving allow a guy like Frost to to be that different player?
3: There's no two ways about it. And it's really interesting, Joe, is the question is since Giroux left, that's when Frost started playing good. So you say, hold on. Like, what is that? I mean, now he's obviously going to get more ice time. He was already playing the power play. But I guess it's just ironic that it happened that way. But, no, you know, it was it was time for G to go. It was time for Jake to go last year. Uh, they'll both flourish where they go. That's just the way it is. You know, Giroud will get his points. Obviously, Vortex played real well for you guys this year. So you got to move on. you got to change it. I mean, uh, every team goes through it. And that's just, it, it was our time.
1: So the cornerstone pieces now are the Couturier-Ellis-Hart, or, or am I missing No more? two ways about it. Yeah,
3: yeah uh, and, and Ellis, if we can get Ellis back, he played four games this year. That's a huge loss for us. Um, he was going to be Provorov, and Provorov had Nishkaden, and then all of a sudden, no Nishkaden. So as a result, you, you know, Provorov went back a little bit, but of late, he's played really well. He played outstanding on Saturday night and uh, against the Leafs. Uh, play pretty good against the Rangers, and if we can get him back to where he was, I think that's going to be a good thing, and you'll have Ellis. You'll have Ellis, and you'll have Provorov, Ristolainen, and Sanheim as your top four. Ristolainen's huge. A lot of people, well, analytically, doesn't look... Well, you know what? Analytics don't tell you about guys that have intestinal fortitude. I guess that's the real fancy word for balls. (laughs) (laughs) But,
0: I thought you were doing a WWE broadcast
3: uh, there for a minute. Yeah, well, I, you know what? I I didn't want anybody to think that I really knew what that word was.
0: <laughs> I want to ask you about just the way the game is played today in general, because you know Jody was a tough guy in this league, and, and back in the East Coast Hockey League when I met him. But you were in the Eastern Hockey League. That was that was a different. No, kind I of was toughness. actually
3: in the IHL, which is oh, the same thing. Yeah. I was the same thing. But in the was, IHL, but it was still it was a it was a rodeo. Yeah, <laughs> flat out rodeo. And anybody, like, they laughed at Slapshot. Well, that was the truth. Mm -hmm. The only thing that wasn't true about Slapshot was the guy skating around the rink in his underwear. (laughs) And I'm not too sure if we hadn't have stopped it then that we would still have that. I mean, I played with those guys. I played played with Dave Hanson, who was one of the Hanson brothers. No, that's what, you know, I'm a dinosaur. You're not a dinosaur. You're kind of mid-level because the game was hard when you played. You were one of the toughest guys at the time. And that's all part of the uh, the the excitement of hockey. But it also plays a huge part of what happens on that ice surface. You got to have a respect. If there's no respect, then you got problems. Trying to find a guy out of the New York office doesn't work because they make so much money. It doesn't matter. Well, you, oh, I just got a cross-checking penalty, or I got a cross-checking fine for the National Hockey League five thousand. <laughs> Who cares? You go out and you have a respect. If you don't have a respect, somebody's going to knock the hell out of you. That's just the way it used to be. And we can't stop that because you get more injuries. It's it's self-policing. The players have to be self-policing. That's what made Jody so important because he provided um, the protection for the skilled players. And that's just the way it is. And the... You get the policing done, and the spillover is the entertainment value for your fans. Have you been in a building yet? In the 32 buildings in the National Hockey League, where they boo when there's a fight? No, no, no chance.
0: What are the analytics of the fights? Do you know any the of analytics?
3: That? They can tell you about the analytics. <laughs> <laughs> <What> analytics. <laughs> Don't get me going. <laughs> The but, game is the game. Let me tell you right now. The game is the game. And, you know, when I go out and I speak, and people say, well, tell me about the fighting. Why do you? Wh- I don't understand why you fight. I said, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm a doctor. A doctor. So you work in a hospital. Yeah, I work in a hospital. So you go work every day. Do you go in and everybody's happy and you really like everybody? He says, not really. I said, wouldn't it be great to come in and talk to the guy that, that you really don't like and knock the shit out of him and, <laughs> then, and then go sit in the corner for five minutes and then come back. You're all set. <laughs> no, I mean, think about it. And the guy goes, oh, yes, see your point.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. But as you're saying that, and, you know, there are a lot of people they, the one fighting out of the game. It, I mean, it's almost disappeared from the game altogether. But yet, here we are getting ready for the playoffs, and what are teams doing? They're beefing up. The teams that are in it, they're <laughs> beefing up, baby. Hey,
3: it's if you go back over the five Stanley Cup winners over the last five years, Tampa had skill, had no toughness. Go out and get Goudreau, Coleman, and Maroon. They win two Stanley Cups. What did New York do? Last year, Panera got thumped by Tommy Wilson. They went out. They got Ryan Reeves and Goudreau. They're going to be competitive. It, it's you got to do it. Minnesota, oh, my goodness. We were just there. What a hockey team. And now they've added that toughness. They are going to be a load. They go in and beat Carolina the other night. They thump Washington on the road. It still works. It still works. It's still important. And... You know, ultimate fighting is the number one thing on TV, but yet we had it built into our game, and it's gone. Coatsy, I
1: want to ask you, don't we need uh, – is it time for another Broad Street bully team, or is it, would it be hard to get that going?
3: I don't think the league would even let that come close. Boy, I'll tell you what, wouldn't that be great? Just all of a sudden, um, I, you, I, you couldn't pull that one off. That How would did be, they pull it off? Because well, do of all, I, I don't think there's enough players out there anymore. I mean, if you talk to anybody that, like uh, – the, the scouts in the Western Hockey League and the Ontario Hockey League in Quebec is that they the, they don't have any fighting. They're do, doing everything in their power to get rid of fighting. College, you don't fight. So it's hard to fight that find that kind of player anymore, players like yourself. I mean, you came well, out of an environment that, you, you know, that's what you were learned. That's what you were taught.
1: Well, it would have to be, I guess, those, those players that hit and intimidate by hitting and standing what, up for each other. I mean, you're not going to do what the Flyers did back in the 70s where – they just went out and terrorized everybody. I
3: agree. I agree. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was called the the, the uh, Flyers flu. They come across the bridge. Uh, oh, it was vicious. It, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of guys get. Away. <laughs> but, but that was entertaining. It was entertaining, and the the game has changed such where um, the hitting is something you just brought up. You know that. In the United States hockey, I just heard this the other day, and I don't want to get the the, the age wrong. I'm going to throw a couple out. But anywhere between, like, before 14 and 15 now in USA hockey, you're not allowed to hit. And one of the most important things that I think is happening here in the NHL is that players don't know how to protect themselves. They don't know how to take a hit, and they don't know how to give a hit. And that's what's creating a lot of problems with injuries – Also, going up against the wall, head first, sideways, because they're not preparing them. Your responsibility is to you first, to make sure you don't put yourself in a position to get hurt. These guys got their heads down. You would never do that. Be uh, sifting along the boards with your head down, looking, and then then you get mad because you get hit from behind? It's embarrassing.
1: Well, the first place they look when they get hit is to the ref. And it's happening in minor hockey, where it used to be, your own coach would say, get
3: up. That's right. Get against the wall. Put your like back. Before, you didn't have this, but back when we didn't wear helmets, you had to have your your glove up against the glass. So that when you got hit against the wall, and you were against the wall to protect you. Use your feet to move the puck, and you had your head up against your glove. And they don't now. It's just like, and then they they have uh, some of the leagues have a stop on the back of the sweater. So what happens? When they don't have stop anymore, that means that you've never played in the league with stop. That you don't know how to stop.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
3: I, I don't know. It's
1: you know they're they're <sighs> doing a good job. It's evolved the right. It's evolved. We've seen it evolve from when you started, when I was playing. You know, they came in in thirteen with some rules. I'll tell you a quick story. Pronger hit me when I was with the Rangers here one night, and the the next year they came in and they showed a video of things that were legal, right? This is a legal hit. It was fine, right? And everybody laughed at how ah, Shelley you got ran by Pronger. Two years later, they come in to do the video. This is an illegal hit. Same hit. Oh yeah.
3: Oh no. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's kind of like uh, the worst rule that I ever had. They finally got rid of was video replay of the um, the uh, skate in the goal crease. Oh yeah. That one that was a beautiful rule. Like that please just leave me alone. And and by the way, you guys as broadcasters, if you can tell me what goaltending interference is in the National Hockey League, then I'm going to sit down and I'm going to listen to you and I'll read your book because I have no clue what it is.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're they're doing their, you know, they're doing what they can and and I still go back to and I love your insight because you're part of an organization that is expected by everyone in the world to play with that brand of hockey. Even, you know, in,
3: you just don't have it, do you? That no, we don't have that. We had McCune, and McCune uh, moved up a uh, up a, a division the other night. Tried to find, uh, fight Simmons, didn't work out too well for him. Um, Wayne Simmons is one of the tougher guys around. He he was when he was here, an absolute prototypical what a Flyer was and Flyer is. Like you mentioned earlier, you understood what the logo was about, what the brand was about. He typified what the Flyers logo is about, and. McCune got a little bit uh, out of his league the other night, got off to a bad start, and he got thumped pretty good. But I'll tell you right now, if he had have fought more often, he could have run for mayor here because we were starving for that. We are starving for it. We didn't have it. And now he's out of the lineup. We just sent this kid Hodgson back to the minors who was a tough kid. You would have liked to have seen him. Yeah. But um, it's just really hard to find guys like that that can play that play. And, and can be tough. Like Nashville's another team. Yep. I mean, Nashville's loaded up. Uh, it's unbelievable. That's you know, I'd love to have that kid on our team.
0: I've got one more thing for you okay. because you're going to come to Columbus this week for the first and the only time this year. You know, the league adds Seattle, and for the two games you play against Seattle, they take games out of the division. I, that boggles my mind. Like we lost one against the Rangers and one against the Flyers. Why do you think they would do that? Why Couldn't couldn't they take those out of the other division and, and leave these divisional matchups, which you hope are important for playoffs alone?
3: What you're trying to do is you're trying to make sense of all this. <laughs> and, I thought you were
0: going to say I was trying to stir you up. And I no, was no, deny you can't <laughs>
3: stir me up on that because when I see stuff like that, I just go say, I'm going to go have a beer and we'll talk about it. It's a lot easier because I can't figure it out. I mean, I'm a believer that we should only play – the Western Conference once. I think we should go back uh, because people don't, like, I think Columbus is a great place to to go to a hockey game. And I think that you play interdivision that many more games, there's an animosity that's created. I don't see, and, and we've taken the anger out of the game. So the scheduling, I think you've got to bring the anger back somehow. And it's not by allowing players to talk to each other in the warm-up and seeing each other down the hallway before the game, those days I don't like at all because the the game has to be played angry. You played the game angry. You knew what you had to do. You went out and you did it. And right now, there isn't enough anger. comes in the playoffs, yes. When we were in it, yeah, we were angry, but that was a while ago now. So it's the scheduling, I've never really truly thought about it. I I see your point, but it's... It's a league. It's like uh, the road trips that you have. Sometimes you go. Who did this? You, that, hold on a second. We're going to play in Carolina and be in Dallas yeah. the next night.
0: People that have never got on the plane and did it. That that's yeah. That's who does it.
3: And they all own dartboards. <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: that's right. I mean. Well, hey. Thank you for taking the time for us. We really appreciate it. I I really wish we could have gotten your opinions on things. (laughs) I'm sorry I was so quiet. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's always great to talk to you. It's
3: great to catch up with you guys. Okay, thank you.
0: That is Steve Coach. He is the radio color analyst for the Philadelphia Flyers. He'll be in the building tomorrow night when the Blue Jackets and Flyers wrap up their home and home series. Jody and I will be back to wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Getting ready to wrap up tonight's edition of the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets are back at home tomorrow night, 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. Military Appreciation Night brought to you by Elk & Elk. And fittingly, a guy that is very good to the military and was his entire career here in Columbus is coming back to Columbus for the first time since his trade to Philadelphia. Cam Atkinson will be back in the building. And Jody, let's look at that trade for a second here. I was talking about this on the air last night. You know, trades, Jim Clark, when he's the assistant GM here a long time ago, told me, you know, you want hockey trades to be, you, you want a trade to work out for both teams. And I think if you look at this trade, just go strictly by the numbers, and it totally works out for both teams. Uh, because Cam Atkinson went into last night's game with 50 points, had 23 goals. Philadelphia was looking for a shooter when they got Cam Atkinson. He's been shooting. He's got his goals. Boom. They get what they wanted. Check. The Blue Jackets were looking for a playmaker for Patrick Laine when they brought Jake Vorchek back. Vorchek went into last night's game with 51 points and we all know he's only got four or five goals. So he's been an assist master this year. The Blue Jackets got exactly what they were looking for. It doesn't always work out uh, just like that, where you can look at it in black and white on paper and say, yeah, this one worked. But I think this trade, you can do just that.
1: I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and, you know, the Blue Jackets were looking for a shift in kind of the locker room dynamic, and they got it with Borchek, a veteran guy uh, I, who I think brings out the personality of, of Patrick Liney a little bit and lets guys be who they are because that's what he is. So for the Blue Jackets, that's great. Cam Atkinson goes closer to home in Connecticut. Uh, his family can be closer. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing, Cam Atkinson is still going to be a, a local alumni because Him and his family plan on retiring back here in Columbus. So great things here for both organizations. I know the Flyers have gone on tilt all year with the way they've played, but it'll be exciting tomorrow night at Nationwide Arena. As you mentioned, military appreciation night. Cam's got ties to the military with his family. Uh, He's a guy that's been adored here for a decade, and there'll be a lot of smiles in the building to see him in warm-up at Nationwide Arena gonna be weird I'll, I'll tell the fans right now to see him in that that orange jersey it's gonna be strange but uh he's still got that big smile so he'll, he'll be excited to be around his former fans and his, his uh his city he's gonna he's gonna raise his family in again
0: it's even more weird to see him wearing number 89 and not a number 13
1: <laughs> yeah that is strange isn't it was it uh i wonder why he did that i didn't get the scoop on that was that the year he was born
0: uh, yeah, I think it is because he wore that. Uh, I think he wore it in the World's the one year because uh, Johnny Gaudreau was playing, and and he didn't fight him about it. He just uh, he took '89, and now of course Kevin Hayes is wearing it with the Flyers, so he just uh, went and did that instead. So I I just wish that Mike Yo wouldn't have him on the same line as Joel Farabee because you got '86 on one side, '89 on the other side, and it's um and they're similar. <laughs> they're very similar looking from up top.
1: So. Uh... Anyway. You play-by-play, play, guys. You guys always have something to gripe about. With yeah, the there's always.
0: Nitpick. <laughs> nitpick it. That's what we do. Hey, there let's, you go. let's talk about the standings because here we are in the last couple of weeks of the season, and some things are decided, but there are a lot of things that are not decided. And, you know, you look at this Metropolitan Division, and you've got Carolina. You know, they're sitting on top. They've got 98 points, but now the Rangers are right there with 96. Pittsburgh with 92. Washington has the other playoff spot. They're sitting there. In the final wild card spot with 84 points. And lo and behold, look who's coming. The New York Islanders with 73. Now, the Islanders, the biggest thing that has changed for them is the goal differential. They were like all the other non-playoff teams up until recently where it was a red number, which means you're you're giving up more than you're scoring. Now, all of a sudden, guess what? They're in the plus category and they're playing well. Are they out of the uh, conversation yet?
1: Not yet. And, you know, when you look at the Islanders' schedule, they've got a tough one. They've got Carolina, St. Louis, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, and then they finally have Montreal. But then still, Toronto. Well, that's not a pushover anymore either, right? I mean, Montreal, (laughs) the the way they've played under
0: Marty St. Louis has been totally different.
1: They're going to have to – maybe they could be that team like Philadelphia who underachieved in 2010, made it in at the last second, and were so ready to – they were on top of their game going into the playoffs. To me, it's a dream scenario. If they can stay on top of their game, keep their goaltending sharp, and play that defensive hockey. You know, Barzell is starting to wake up. We saw him a few games ago against the Blue Jackets. Um, Anders Lee is healthy. He's playing. you got some guys playing with confidence, Brock Nelson. So I would not count this team out. To me, they're way tougher to play against than the Washington Capitals. And if they can stay sharp down the stretch with all this great competition coming, they'll earn their way in and maybe be a very dangerous team because to to beat some of these teams that they got to play and get in, they gotta be the best. So you know what? An ideal scenario for them. When I
0: look at the Atlantic division, and you and I talked about this a little bit last night, you know, Florida now has 104 points, and they are, you know, they're pulling away there. Toronto is is second with 96. What a game those two played last night, seven to six overtime. Yeah, if that happens in the playoffs, you knock me over with a feather because I don't think it will.
1: Oh, it's it, it might happen with the, in the first round with some of these wide open matchups. I mean, it's crazy how they play, but outscore each other. Why not? And that's exactly what you expected last night watching that game, and it had to go to overtime. And of course, Huberto uh, gets the goal from Barkov. So, wide open style. Gotta love it as a fan.
0: Well, Tampa's in third place there. They're tied in points with Boston. They hold the tiebreaker, that's why they're in third. And Boston's in the first wild card spot as of today. But um, I'm just as I look at this, I'm thinking to myself, you know, if Tampa wound up in that first wild card spot, they would transfer over into the Metropolitan Division because uh, the eighth seed is going to get the the top point getter, which is the Florida Panthers. So, which right now that would mean that Florida would play Washington I think that would be a massacre in the first round of the playoffs quite frankly but Tampa I wonder if Tampa wouldn't have a better path if they would slide into that metropolitan division and then have to go through you know potentially Carolina and New York or Pittsburgh to get to the conference final
1: Yeah I don't know I don't think there I don't think there's a prefer, preferred matchup but you know I think when you start doing that, you could find trouble. I, I love the first round last year of Florida and Tampa. Yeah. I know they are different teams this year, but Sergei Bobrovsky got yanked last night. Sergei Bobrovsky's unproven in the playoffs. And when you can, if you feel, if you're Tampa and you feel good about it, hey, why not go get them? You know what I mean? They're going to face Toronto right now in the first round, which to me is one of the scariest teams. I don't know. There's something about Toronto that they seem like they're, they're quietly just destroying teams. Austin Matthews is over 50 goals in the season. Um, I see your point, but what do, you, what do you want to take? You want to take Carolina then, right? Carolina is a, a kind of a built-for-the-playoff team. They're stingy, they're defensive, they can be boring, they can keep it tight. Um, so no way you look at it, there's going to be a grind. I also like the way it sets up right now, Bob, the Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins. classic first-round series if uh, the playoffs were sort to of start today. So it's going to be wild. It's going to be exciting, and uh, I'm, I can't wait to see these teams that have loaded up, which pretty much everyone has, uh, and, and how it shakes out for them in the playoffs.
0: And really quickly, over in the West, uh, it, it's still tight, especially at the bottom. I mean, your, your wild card teams are Nashville and Dallas right now, and they're only separated mm-hmm. by one point. And then you've got Vegas on the outside looking in, and they're only one point behind Dallas and two points behind Nashville. So you've got three teams right there vying for two spots.
1: Yeah, and there's only one team that's really in, in a – knows they're going to be in the number one spot, and that's Colorado. They're locked. Everyone else, that the order could change. L.A., they're struggling a little bit. They're at 86. Vegas is at 82. Can they hold on? Edmonton's only at 87. Can they hold on? Uh, you know, there's 11 games left for them, only 10 for the L.A. Kings. There's so many moving parts out west that um, – <laughs> It's going to be fascinating to see this stretch run.
0: Oh, yeah. It is exciting. It is that time of the year where it gets very exciting. Well, the Blue Jackets, again, they'll close out with the Flyers. They'll close out their home and home with the Flyers tomorrow night, 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena on Military Appreciation Night. Hope that you're there. And if you can't be there with us, you'll be able to hear the game on the Blue Jackets radio network, and you can watch it on Bally Sports Ohio. The pregame on both of the sides will begin at 630 tomorrow night. So we'd like to thank Steve Coates for being our guest on this edition of the Inside Edge. That'll do it. For Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long and thanks for listening to the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan.